Hello, everybody. Before we start today's podcast, I just want to talk about our charity spotlight, magickids.org. Magickids.org is a 501c3 charity based out of Rochester, Minnesota. They have a goal of putting your unused cards to work to help educate kids on how to play Magic the Gathering. They believe teaching a kid Magic the Gathering will help them with important life skills like critical thinking, reading, and math. They send out these kits from your donated cards called Magic Kits eh, to volunteer teachers and mentors to use to then teach the kids. The, the teachers and mentors use the Magic Kids curriculum called Sort, Build, Play. And what that is, is when the teachers receive the kits, the kids then go through the kits to sort the cards to become more familiar with the cards, see what they like. They then use those cards that they like to build a deck, and then they use those decks to play each other. Sort, build, play. Now, there are a couple ways that you can help out Magic Kids by donating your unused cards, sending some money their way, or becoming a volunteer, mentor, or teacher. To learn more about them and get some more information on how to donate your cards, money, or your time, go check them out at magickids.org or follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And from that, let's hit the intro. Welcome, Welcome to This Week in MTG with your host, Matt Olson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This Week in MTG, your aggregate news source for all things Magic the Gathering. I am your host, Matt Olson. Here with me today, we have Danny Oakstead. What's up? And to my right, we have the janky boggle, JB. Hello. Do we have some news for y'all this week? Everybody's back in studio. We're recording together. We're a happy family here. For the final time. Yay! So, we'll give you that breakdown of how this episode is going to be lined up for you. Of course, we're going to start off with the finance updates because we're greedy motherfuckers here, right? Want to know what our cards are worth? Finance for dummies. Finance for dummies. I feel offended. Then we're going to talk about the past weekend event results, hit up the upcoming events, uh, and then get to the meat and potatoes, or the news, and then finish off with a deck of the week. So to start off our finance section, we use MTG Stocks, and MTG Stocks is a great resource of magic finance information because they take in what cards are getting bought and sold at, put it in a nice little graph for you to see. And also on top of that, they have a weekly article that comes out called Weekly Winners. Uh, the Weekly Winners comes out on Friday. We record Monday night, so there may be some price discrepancies from there. We'll try and cover them here uh, as we talk about them. But let's just jump into it with that. Weekly Winners that we have for this week. First and foremost, we have Plague of Vermin which is now an $8 card that saw a 600% increase. And, you know, pretty much the only reason why this thing went off is because of the Secret Drop series, or Secret Lair Drop series, Year of the Rat. People got interested in making rat decks again, and so then this card jumped up in price, and they talked about a combo that goes with Arya, first of Lockthwain. And, and this to where you make a bunch of rats that your opponent can't compare, compete with and they lose life and you win the game next turn if they don't have a board wipe. No, it's it's paired with your rats enter and they're black so it deals that much damage. You kill them on the spot. Oh yeah, that's right. Arya fucking does it when they enter. Got it. Listen to JB there. But yeah, this card, it's, it's just spiking for the sheer rat hype not hype relevance it's just back up in everyone's radar i don't know i think it'd be cool to pull that combo off i think that'd oh, be kind of fun totally just just wait to buy the card until it goes down in price <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't holding this price uh actually no as of yeah, today drop again that's already taking a drop yeah it is at just over six bucks as of today second weekly winner we got doomsday which is now a $7.20 card, seeing a 127% increase from earlier. Uh, so this card is a legacy 
card that was used in its name uh, was in a deck with its name, Doomsday. Uh, Doomsday is a card that is black, 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 sorcery. Search your library and graveyard for five cards of your choice. Remove the rest from the game. Put the chosen cards on top of your library in any order you choose. You lose half your life rounded up. So essentially, what you do is you get the five cards that are going to win you the game, and most of the time you are able to kill your opponent on the spot or the turn after. And uh, with this also, yeah, Thassa's Oracle. Culprit again. Fucking seeing this, make, making these cards relevant. And just quick little side note with Thassa's Oracle. We'll, we'll just hit that now. This card is also starting to see an uptick in price. I mentioned it last week. I'm pretty sure I mentioned it the week before. You haven't got it yet? Go pick them up. They are just under six bucks right now. Uh, foils are about eight fifty. You want to be getting these things because this is this is the win condition in in standard decks and pioneer decks and, and these legacy decks. E, uh, EDH is loving it. Like it's a win condition. It's under six bucks. You pick them up. You're gonna make some money by turning them around. <clears throat> I thought the foils were closer to ten. I thought uh, MTG Stocks has it at eight fifty. Ooh, that's not bad. So our third winner is a combination of Jace Wheeler of Mysteries and Thassa's Oracle. Together, they uh, they combined the price, and they both together have seen a forty percent increase of their price. Um, Jace Wheeler of Mysteries sitting just under seven bucks. And Thassa's Oracle at that 550 mark. Uh, it's because they're linked. Both do the same thing. They win the game with no no cards in library. Really, Jace is more prominent in the Pioneer Standard format with that. Not as much as in Legacy as where Thassa is, but both respectively very powerful cards that are going to be going up in price. And if you want to make some money, maybe go snag those. The the Demir Inverter decks are still putting up results. We're going to be talking about that here a little later with Thassa's Oracle and how that's actually now starting to see a price increase. So those are the top three weekly winners. From there, we move to the cheap pickups, and I pass the torch over to JB. All right, so it looks like our first up, we have Glimpse of Nature coming in at $13.02 for a single green sorcery speed whenever you play a creature spell. This turn, you draw a card. I mean, I can see this being in, like, elves. You could draw just a, a ton of cards off of that. Just keep drawing. Because they go when they go off, they go off. Definitely. All right. So next up, we have Fulminator Mage coming in at just under 6 bucks at five ninety one, And it's slowly creeping up. So I'd say if you're going to pick something up and spec on it, I'd pick it up now. And this is just a good, <clears throat> uh, good red, black, destroy lands card which could be very relevant right now with Amulet Titan and Modern showing relevance and Uro picking up in there. Just start hitting their lands. If you're looking for to get rid of Field of Ruins or Valkuts, this is a pretty good sideboard piece against those to be looking at adding in. And if it's under 6 bucks, worth it. Totally worth it. Because this card was seen, uh, saw prices before at around $10, $10 to $7, so... Still a pretty good pickup at just under six. All right. So then next up, we have Once Upon a Time coming in at $6.76, record low and stabilized out. I know I just picked up mine for six bucks, a couple of them. Yeah. It's only in uh, Modern and Legacy right now. So Who doesn't love free spells, though? I mean, come on. Yeah. So if you got Green Decks, Modern Legacy, looking to pick up this uh, free free look for free dig five deep get something that you want i'd say this is pretty good at like picking up at around six bucks maybe you can wait a little bit longer i don't know i don't keep an eye i don't see it dropping any lower than six i would just with how good of a card it is yeah that i don't know i can see it going at six but anyways keep an eye out for it you want to pick one up definitely be picking it up definitely worth it at the price it's at all right, so then last but not least, we have Celestial Colonnade coming in at $8.36 at a record low. Who doesn't love a good man land? This uh, this specifically is the Ultimate Masters print that is dropping in price. The original 
actually world wake's also pretty cheap but you get the box topper or the buy box promo those are still pretty expensive but again the ultimate masters at uh eight bucks lower is pretty good and this is a control piece in any blue white deck for those long games just start chipping away for four five turn and clock well and this is honestly in my opinion one of the better man lands too I like this one. I would, I should probably pick up a couple more copies of it now, too, now that it's cheaper. Yep. So, go pick them up. But if you are looking to pick them up, but you're like, eh, those price points are still just a little too high, go check out TCG Sniper. Uh, TCG Sniper is this awesome source where you copy the URL from TCG Player of the card that you want, plug it into TCG Sniper, set your desired price you want to get that card at, and then TCG Sniper will send you a notification when that card drops to that price, and then you can pick it up at that price. Uh, so with uh, Celestial Colonnade, you're like, eight bucks, eh, I'll probably wait for it to go to seven or 650. So get the URL from TCG, plug it in, put in that price of 650, uh, seven bucks, and then be patient, wait, Side note, too, TCG Sniper also works for sealed product as well. Can never go wrong with finding a good deal on a booster box of Ultimate Masters or getting some old throne of Eldraine. Uh, old. Old. It ain't that old yet. Hey, man, it's old in comparison. We have Theros Beyond Death. That's the new kid on the block right now. And maybe you could get some M20. Does it have going. a bunch of hits? So now let's talk about the event results of this last weekend. So we had PT Phoenix, a Pioneer event, and then there's also a Pioneer GP that was going on as well. To the, the, the Players Tour winner, we had Corey Burkhart winning it with Demir Inverter. Told you we'd be talking about it. Demir, and Thurder, uh, Demir Inverter and Thassa's Oracle, the blue-black control deck just being consistent controlling your opponent with Corey Burkhart in the uh, quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. He went 2-0 against all of his opponents, being a strong pilot of the deck itself. And second place went to William Jensen there. We're going to mention this real quick with Lotus Breach because this is also another deck that actually just got kind of cleaned up in the board. Instead of running Chronic Flooding like they were a couple weeks ago, they are now using Tome Scour to get five more or to get five cards in their graveyard to you know chalk it up a lot more, uh, make it cleaner uh, cleaner plays along with recurring that as well. <laughs> so congrats Corey Burkhart and William Jensen for performing so well. Then also we had SCG Philadelphia, which was a team open event won by. Alan, Fire, and Jessup. Those guys were uh, for their standard deck that they were running, which was piloted by Zach Allen, was Azorius Control. The main key piece in that is the new card, Dream Trawler. Just a strong, backbreaking control piece for anybody to try and overcome. The modern portion of the team was, pilot, uh, was Demir Wurza, piloted by... Harlan Firer, Furrier, I apologize for butchering your name on that. With uh, the Demir Wurza deck, they have the Sword of the Meek combo coming back again with the recent, not I guess not the recent banning of Mox Opal, but it's a nice way to be able to win out your opponent in a combo. Um, so the black, the black in here is for Inquisition of Kozilek, Fatal Push, Drown in the Lock, as those options and then being able to pay the black for a Nile spell bomb when you're up against uh, graveyard decks. And then the pioneer deck ran by Dan Jessup was the Sultai Delirium deck, which won Pro Tour Brussels last weekend, piloted by Yol Larson. Yol piloted by Yol Larson. The 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 Sultai Pioneer deck is value, uh, value on value 
really sent, really playing off of filling up your graveyard with delirium to be able to get Uro back, filling up your graveyard to have targets with Jace Vryn's Prodigy. Solid control deck. Like this is something to be on the lookout for for sure. So we're going to cover the the classics as well for SEG because it's good to get that whole top deck meta appreciation for what's winning. And the classic, uh, modern classic, was won by Lucas. Was won by Lucas Malho piloting a mono red prowess deck. Congrats. We had the Pioneer Classic won by Andrew Good Gold. Andrew Gold. Apologize again for saying that name wrong. I am very bad at this. Won by that Salt Eye Delirium again. And then the classic, standard classic, was won by Bant Midrange. Which is not which has Hydroid Crasis, Cavalier Thorns, and Uro. Nissa Shaker, who shakes the world. Strong decks just putting up results in the SEG there. Congrats to all you guys. From there, we're going to talk about the upcoming events. So for the upcoming events, SEG Tour is going on break again and will return February 22nd through the 23rd with an SEG Indianapolis with their Pioneer Open along with Modern and Pioneer Classics going that weekend. Following uh, Magic Fest is also going on hiatus until February 28th when they return with the GP Theros Beyond Death in Reno. Should be a good event. And there will also still be events coming up this weekend, ranging from MTGO challenges from modern, pioneer, standard, but also there were several several SEG IQs happening. To get more information on these, go check out Star City Games schedules for more information. Yeah, if you're nearby these, go hit them up. They're going to be a good time. Get to, then you can get a chance to be part of the 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 uh, SEG tour, maybe. And to finish it off with the upcoming events, we have Magic Worlds in Honolulu. Get hyped. 16 top champion players are going. There's the whole arena, play with your champions. There's the hashtag follow your champions to get arena prizes. Watch it on Twitch. Go check it out. Don't forget to check it out. So from there, we're going to get into the news, into the meat and potatoes we're going to hit off with some quickies, and actually, to top this off with the quickies, we want to try and add in this new segment called the Blogatog of the Week. It's a name in progress. We'll, we'll, we'll work on it. So what we do is just going to highlight one of the top comments that, or one of the top posts from Mark Rosewater's Tumblr Blogatog and see what is, uh, you know, just something fun on there, what Mark Rosewater's talking about. And so this week, we chose... A question asked by Ronus the Indomitable. Quote, last year you mentioned the sets you were most excited about were War of the Spark, Modern Horizons, and Throne of Eldraine. Which, if any sets, are you especially excited about this time? Mark Rosewater replied, the three things I'm personally most excited for in 2020 are Unsanctioned, Ikora, and a product I don't think is public yet. Zendikar Rising is probably fourth. We talked about Unsanctioned last week a little bit, or was it the week before? Anyways, we talked about it. It's coming out at the end of the month. It's going to be a fun, goofy set. Mark Rosewater's excited for that. Ikora, Layer of Behemoths. Another set that's coming out later in April. Uh, Big Beasts. We can see that Mark Rosewater likes fun uh, fun sets and large beat-em-up creatures. So the product that hasn't been... Uh, released yet or any information given about I'm excited to see what it is because you know maybe it's I don't know if it has something to do with commander it might be commander related that's kind of what I was leaning for but if it's commander related I it could 2020's year of the commander yeah but we've been informed about that I guess specific the specific details on the commander product haven't been released to the public yet so maybe that's what he's referring to or maybe there's something else coming 
in the summer that we just don't know about yet. But we figured we'd bring that to your all attention. Pioneer Masters. I was going to say pre-made Pioneer decks. Intro decks. Pioneer. Maybe. Because didn't they do a modern a while ago? Yeah, they did. Well, they did modern event decks. Modern event decks for so and long. That was, yeah, that wasn't a very. They had the standard event decks with. The uh, challenger decks, yeah. The challenger decks. There we go. That's what they were called. And that had four in there. But I don't, I don't know. I don't think. Well, maybe Mark Rosewater would be excited about something like that. I don't know. I could see a Pioneer Masters collection coming more. more Better so than, than a Brawl deck. Decks. And this is all. Speculation. We're not sure. This is just Mark Rosewater oh, no. talking on his blog oh, no. talk about no, it. It's going to be Pioneer product. Masters. Don't don't you <laughs> don't you kid yourself. You heard it here, folks. Guys, JB says Pioneer Masters. Hold him to it. If he's wrong, we'll give you his address so you can get house. We'll dox him. <laughs> you can toilet paper my truck. Okay. So another quickie here. That was more than a quickie with that uh, blog talk announcement. We have Chaos Drafts are currently happening on MTGO. If you're into Chaos Drafts of playing old sets ranging from Visions to Urza's Destiny to Fifth Dawn, Planar Chaos, Future Sight, Mirrodin Besieged, Dark Ascension, Oath of the Gatewatch. They have a bunch of this stuff going on now until February 19th. And let me tell you, it's fun. I did, I did one or two, and it, it was definitely a fun experience. Worth a shot. What's the full price on those with the ticks? Uh, that one I believe was ten. Ten, ten ticks, right? And then ten. they have the the points. Uh, the point system with there. Points is a hundred, I believe. Right. The points are more expensive because yep. I think it's basically equals ten play points to one tick, I believe. Don't quote me, but I want to say that's about the exchange rate. If he's wrong. We'll give you his information so you can correct him. Yep, you can flog me. And the last news quickie that we have is Secret Lairs coming out again during Worlds. We have a new small little spoiler teaser trailer talking about five drops that are going to be going on sale during World that are going to get first released on the Friday, February 14th. The only... the only idea that we have of what these sets might be consider or might be themed around is on Wizards Twitter. They said the stars are aligned. The next MTG Secret Lair drop is coming. Full reveal and sale one week from today. And this was posted on February seventh at MTG Worlds. Go check them out on Twitch. It'll be the gods. I was yeah. literally just going to say it's going to be the five gods. Yeah, with the, the stars aligned. The constellations. It'll be a special constellation. They'll have the god. I don't know. Maybe they'll have the gods in one. Maybe some constellation biggies. Maybe Corsair Crufix is going to get a fucking print in there. <gasps> maybe. I'm, don't know. I'm sure each god's going to have their own secret lair. Ooh, oh, I wonder. There if- are five. One for each god. Yep. So I wonder if they're going to include Nykthos. I don't know. Since they didn't in the main set. They'd have what? They'd got to have one Nykthos in each of those, so that takes up two slots out of those pack, out of the cards that they give you in there. And these also range in price. They they haven't come up with the full prices, but we can guess that they're going to be the twenty nine ninety nine to thirty nine ninety nine price range. So keep your ear to the ground. More information will be coming about. You will bet your bottom dollar we will talk about it next week. As much as I don't like to. So we're going to dive into some of the bigger topics here. One of the biggest things that got brought up this week is Mark Rosewater has a podcast called Drive to Work. And this last week's episode is a two-part series where he is talking about his Twitter post that he made back at the beginning of December talking about possible commander changes. Now, before we talk about, before we go any further with this, Mark Rosewater has nothing to do with the rules committee of commander anything he says is not something that is guaranteed to happen he has no say no sway no control it is not his department he is a game designer he is the guy that makes the blueprints passes it along he has nothing to do with the rules just want to make sure that is said and people can calm down a little bit about all these potential command these quote-unquote commander changes these are all things that mark rosewater himself 
sees that could be changed to make Commander better in a game designer from a game designer's point of view. So I don't know if you guys listen to the podcast. Yeah, I'm a little behind on all my podcast listening, unfortunately. You're, and you're a little it's behind a, on reading the Google Docs, too. I'm a lot more ahead than Danny is. We'll put it that way. <laughs> Throwing him under the bus. No, I've been having a busy month, so trying to cram all my listening in lately has been a little rough. Nah, definitely. So uh, he talks about uh, a couple things that he highlights is... Uh, we'll talk about the big one, which is the hybrid mana. He takes a good portion of the podcast to talk about hybrid mana. He talks about the tuck rule. He talks also about... Soul ring. Yep, poison counters too. Yep, soul ring and poison counters. Deck size limit. Deck size limits. And the rest of the stuff will be coming out. If you want inf- uh, if you want to look at the whole post, uh, I could try and find the Twitter link and then post it in the show notes. He actually brings up commander damage too. Yes, commander damage, and uh, I guess we towards eliminating it even. Yes, uh, let's, let's or let's, his thoughts anyway. Yeah, his thoughts are totally for eliminating it because it's kind of an um, put uh, the way that he was talking about. It, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm going off of memory from when I listened to it. Is if a function in the game is putting too is, is having too much thought put into it. Instead of making it a straightforward, linear thought process, that could be something that gets taken out. Now, what he says with that also is he would like to receive information on how often the commander damage actually matters in a game. Uh, The big big argument uh, that he brought up was Voltron decks. That's their way to win. And if you take out commander damage, then... What are Voltron decks going to do? Beat or, your face with a giant creature. Or if a life gain deck gets too out of hand, what are you to do? And again, paraphrasing from memory here, Mark Rosado was saying that, and also before we say, again, this is just his opinions, like we all have our own, but his opinion was if changing something like this removes a deck or two from uh, being playable, there are going to be other decks that then fill that slot. It's not going to leave a vacuum of where Voltron can't be a thing anymore. It's going to be less of a thing, but there'll be another deck that then jumps into its place. So he sees commander damage as being easily walked back on. Yep, he also put in there that he feels it requires a lot of tracking, which honestly it does. Trying to trying to separate the two different totals is well, it's it's not it's not even that. It's the fact that if you're playing big tabletop like Commander is supposed to be, like man, we used to play with what six to seven different guys at at one time. We were stupid yep. back. Then. <laughs> we, we we had fun, but if 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 you if you're trying to keep track of a Commander, I mean, you have to have Six, six, six dies out just for each player for their commander damage to you. Yep, it's just too much thinking. So it's like, oh hey, well, which one was or which which die was yours again? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. So I, I I get that, but but just like you said, it's a tabletop game. I, like yeah, some decks are, gonna, are not going to be able to feasible, but you're playing within a group, so your mm-hmm. decks technically or typically get built around those that you're playing with and again it's a multiplayer format like one person gets too strong with like that life gain style deck everybody else is gonna get yeah yeah it's it's checks and balances all about the politics baby (laughs) it's tabletop it's you can have one deck that runs everything but pretty soon someone's gonna have that answer and your deck's gonna have no power over anyone because you can get stopped immediately I feel like this is a good transition to then move over to the infect, uh, the poison counter. Fuck infect. <laughs> so, tell me how you really feel, Danny. People, people are talking about infect being well in EDH. If your life total is doubled, shouldn't the infect counter also be doubled? And most people are like, yeah, that makes sense. But 
if you look at it in the lens of Infect not being a powerful kill-all at one strategy, because Infect is more of an aggro, low-to-the-ground kind of deck. And this is also what Mark Rosewater said. Uh, full disclosure, I have a, a history of playing Infect as well. I love it a lot. Yes, he does. <laughs> and that's why he's usually the first one out every single night. Yes. Uh, but Mark Rosewater also points up, Infect is like an aggro deck, and aggro decks already have a severe disadvantage in a multiplayer format. And he believes, again, he has no control over any commander changes or anything like that. But he believes that an Infect deck being at 10 poison counters is a fair thing for them to be at. Because they're already at a disadvantage of trying to take out three people at once. And aggro decks, if they go past the first, it's really an uphill battle. So this kind of like weighs out that for them. Yeah, and they're also trying to chip away 40 life for three other people versus 20. So, yeah. I mean, that I I get it. I understand it. I mean, yeah, it sucks being, you know, you start with 40 life and all, oh, only 10 can knock you out. But I get the, you know, I, I get the thought process behind it, and I totally agree with it. And if the Infect player knocks out a, po- uh, knocks out a person, on that the two other people are then going to gang up on the infect player it's that whole checks and balances that danny was talking about so there's that that got brought up a bunch of a bunch of discussion from mark rosewater's tweet from again at december to now and easily go online you'll find out about it you can jump in forums and talk with a bunch of other people around the world about these Another thing that got brought up was the hybrid mana symbols in in Commander and how they work. So uh, Mark Rosewater started off by talking about the development of hybrid mana. Hybrid mana was created before EDH was a thing. And, oh, little side note, jump back into uh, a history on the commander damage here after this if i can get to it but the hybrid mana was made back before edh commander was a thing during uh eventide uh eventide block Uh, and my favorite card oh with bottles yeah i was just totally in that set hybrid mana baby so the hybrid, uh, the argument with that is the hybrid mana can be used as red. Uh, so if we have a green-red card hybrid where it's red-green, red-green hybrid, you can pay red-red to cast it should it not be in a red deck or a uh, red, or you could pay green-green should it not be in a green deck. And... His his depth, like this was the biggest, uh, this was the biggest talk, uh, the biggest portion of his podcast was talking about this and figuring out how to get the hybrid mana to be in a way of making it work to where a hybrid green-red spell could be in a mono-red deck. And his thought towards the end is more along the lines of in deck construction, hybrid mana uh, can be looked at as that monocolor type used for it or whatever. But then when it's on the battlefield, then that's when it's a shared type. Because in Commander, you can have a, a white-producing card that makes a black token in a mono-white deck. A uh, thing that I can think of off the top of my head would be a uh, Westvale Abbey. Is the first thing that jumped into my head right now. It is a land that produces that can create a white black cleric token and you can have that god eternal oketra also does the same thing god eternal oketra mono white spell that makes black tokens and you can have that in a white deck so you can have multiple colors be on the battlefield from a mono colored deck and that's what his thought process is it's like in deck construction hybrid can be seen as that one color but then when it is on the battlefield it counts as both uh Definitely go check out his full podcast. He goes into great depth. His next one is coming out. I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about it because this whole commander list about it was great. 
Well, and he also touched on there too. One of the other reasons is that the the hybrid mana bends the color pie a little bit to help out the mono colored decks because he was also saying yep. that uh, red and white are some of the weakest in commander for mono color. Yep. And having that hybrid mana helps give you access to some things that you might not always get. One of the things he also did highlight in the podcast was talking about that th- those benders and colors that break that break the color pie. The argument, f- if if people are in the in the camp of the hybrid colors break the color pie, look at something like Chaos Warp. Chaos Warp is a red spell that breaks the color pie, but yet nobody is up in arms about that breaking the color pie. So if you're saying so if you're saying that the hybrid colors are breaking, which they're not, uh, Mark Rosewater says that they're more of bending to help branch out and stuff for something that those colors can do. If you're having a hard time with that, then you should definitely be looking at something like Chaos Warp as being like the real color pie breaking card. Uh, so rewind a little bit to talk about that uh, commander damage history as well. The history on that, during the conception of Commander, previously known as EDH, Elder Dragon Highlander, it was designed to have one of the five Elder Dragons that came out in Legends. Uh, Chromium, Palladium Moor, Nicol Bolas, Arcades, Arcades, and I can't remember the last one. But that don't matter. So with those creatures, back when they were printed in Legends, they were 7-7 creatures. And in the conception of EDH, they wanted something also, uh, an alternative win to make games go by faster. And so they were put on a three-turn clock. If uh, your opponent was put on a three-turn clock, if you yourself cast one of those dragons that were your commander, a 7-7 swinging for three times would then knock them out and just kind of put a level of inevitability at that point. But the game has changed from back then to what it is now. And that's why the whole point of commander damage is up in discussion. Isn't that fifth one via Victus? Via Victus. There we go. It just popped into my head. I was just thinking about that. Vivictus Asmati. Yep. Yeah, not via Victus. Vivictus Asmati. Boom. There we go. JB for the fucking win. Woo! They're all eight drops. Jeez. Yep. Yep. Two uh two of their three colors and then two colorless. Mm-hmm. So totally uh check out Mark Rosewater's drive to work to get more to get more commander information and stuff about this. It's worth the listen. It's a forty minute podcast, I think. And check out next week's when it comes out. And like I said, I'm more than positive we will be talking about that. Now, to move on to the next portion of the news, we're going to talk about the State of Arena that got released on February 6th. Wizard, uh, the Arena developers have a monthly State of, the, State of Arena announcements that they do, where they talk about what's coming, what is done, what they'd like to do, and all that stuff. And we're just going to cover some of the stuff that was announced. First off, uh, today... Tuesday, when you were listening to this, not today when we were recording, Tuesday the 11th at 11 a.m., there will be an AMAA happening on the r slash arena subreddit with five of the developers of Arena for an hour where you can ask them questions about almost anything ranging from Arena and stuff. They're doing this to try and keep in touch with their community, answer questions that everybody has in a more open form, everybody kind of see this thing. So if you're interested in that, you can partake in that at 11 a.m. tomorrow, or 11 a.m. today, or go to r slash arena to the thread to be able to read all the questions and stuff from there. The February update will also be coming out today, the 11th. Uh, keep your eyes out. No time was fully announced when that will be coming out. Ranked Draft will be having a two-week break and then returning on the 28th. And there's a little bit of a change-up with this. They're trying to reduce the overall amount of ranked drafts going on at one time to just having one. 
And what I mean by that is they're not going to have a ranked Throne of Eldraine and a ranked Theros Beyond Death going on at the same time because it splits the pool and stuff of people using of using ranked draft. So they're going to go on a two week uh, two week on or two week rotation of the Theros drafts or any draft ranked. Makes so that way they can like get more people in. There is a new event that's going to be coming. coming. There will be a new event that is coming to Arena called the Workshop Series, and this is actually kind of cool. So, what they're trying to deal or what they're trying to achieve with the Workshop Series is they are trying to get more people into Arena and not have to worry too much about deck building because when it comes to deck building. Some people find it a little difficult to get the deck just right with the vast amount of cards that you can choose from. So with the workshop series, you get pre-constructed decks in a couple different formats I'll cover over here. You get rewards, and there's also no entry fees to partake in these events. So we have the Power of Glory, which is a Brawl-specific workshop series where you play brawl decks that are made and you can get rewards and stuff for that there is the hero of theros which is their limited workshop series and you're going to do a bunch of a, uh, a limited uh you know i don't know if it's actually the full draft or they just give you the limited decks it didn't really specify in the article about that yeah so i'm trying to figure out if they're trying to get away from deck building how are you going to do limited limited is deck building Definitely deck building, but it shows you the archetypes of what you're trying to achieve. And oh, seeing what you're so uh, seeing what the deck archetypes are, you're if you play it, you'll be able to be like, oh, I remember I played this in this workshop series of blue white flyers. This flyer was really good compared to everything else. I think this is the best card in this pack. So it lets you see patterns of what's good and stuff. And so. That's the uh, that's the second workshop that they're doing, and then the last one is Uncharted Paths, which is a standard workshop, and you get to play standard decks. So nobody plays standard anymore. <laughs> it's so hard to keep up with. Standard's dead. I wouldn't say that. Let's it's just it's ourselves. just it's the most expensive. It's one of the most expensive formats out there to stay viable in, and you have to be on top of your game and know every single card that comes out and that it is going to come out so you can get ahead of the curve and get money in the right spots so you can make money, I guess, or break even, hopefully. I'm just going to say this now, but this is a little foreshadowing, maybe, to the next topic that we're going to talk about. Standards dead? No, not the standards dead, but with knowing what to do and data information. Mm. So the caveat with these workshop series is that they will be available for 48 hours only, and they all start on Monday, times not specified in the article. They will be coming up later. Check out Arena for that. But this sounds pretty cool kind of a thing to get more people into those formats, and to especially limits, it's cool. If it is... If it is drafting in a manner, if the drafting is just using the decks and the archetypes that comes from there, that's going to be kind of cool. But I definitely would like to see more of like walk you through on how to do the draft. Would it be more of a sealed deck? That's kind of no. what a I was A sealed format then? then? Nope. We're, it's we're... draft. That's what it says uh, in the article. It's uh, it's specifically with draft and seal and draft are different things. Unfortunately, uh, I may have to log into Arena and check that one out then, just hmm. just to see because this is, I don't know. I'm intrigued. Yeah, trying mm-hmm. to figure out how that's going to work. Definitely, uh, it'll probably be coming out next Monday if the update is happening today, February 11th, and if it happens on Monday, so Monday the 16th. <laughs> Matt's doing hand motions, trying to figure out dates. Walking like an Egyptian over here. I'm, <laughs> I'm picturing the calendar in my head, and then I just... Using hands to figure out which day marks X. What, are you landing a plane over here? So the next thing that's happening in the State of the Arena update. So during Worlds, 
Arena is having a play with your champion deck event where during that weekend you would be able to play with the champions submitted decks on Arena uh, also for free. Uh, you get to play against each other, and that's just pretty cool to like test out play play some like top tier decks. You don't have to worry about actually spending wild cards to get the cards or anything like that. I bet it's on a. Uh, I don't know, imagine like a rental service where you get it for this X amount of time to use, and as soon as that time is over, you no longer got it. Uh, probably the same thing that they did with the Ashiok and Elspeth uh, event that they did at the end of December. Something along the lines of that. And the last thing with the State of Arena update is the Showcase Nyx Constellation Basic Lands. We discussed it at the beginning of last month with their last state of the state of arena. They didn't. They said that the constellation lands were not going to be in packs, but they weren't sure how the distribution of those constellations would constellation showcase lands would be getting distributed. Well, we now know, and it's behind a three thousand gold paywall. Shocker! <laughs> Though you buy the one you get unlimited amount of that basic land. You're still having to pay for it, though. That is true. You do got to pay for it. You can't get it in a pack, but it's the same with the Constellation, uh, like the, the alternative art. Constel- uh, You're just paying for the art. Yeah. Or the skin, I should say. Yeah, that's what they did with all the other cards that have like those fancy backgrounds and stuff they put no, up behind man, the paywall. Those in the mastery tree. Well, yeah, you can get some, but for every other one, you you pay for them. Oh, yeah, I don't do that. Yeah. Well, this one I is one that you got. This is one you got to pay for as well. I do it all for free. I'm cheap. It's perfectly fine. It's on this podcast so far. Yeah. Heck yeah, and bro. Probably like ten minutes of fucking edit. We. Oh man. Yeah, because we really haven't fucked up too much this time. No, we haven't. This is so bad. Okay. So that is the State of Arena. Uh, link in the show notes to read the full article put on by Wizards themselves if you want more details. And then the last thing I'd like to talk about, and it's just more of like a light touch on it, is the last thing I'd like uh, we'd like to talk about is just more of like a light touch on something that just happened today with Wizards and how they are releasing information about meta decks of big events. Frank Karsten, mathematician galore and writer for Channel Fireball, recently got asked a question about is well he didn't get asked the question. Someone posted a question asking if it's just going to be top eight deck lists that we're getting information on and nothing else. And they commented at the end of that, give Frank Karsten the data. And Frank Karsten said that he is no longer able to give that data, but more results will be coming up on Channel Fireball later this week. And the internet has taken it in a very negative way, which rightfully so, very skeptical on Wizard's decision of not having Frank Karsten giving the metadata analysis. Uh, The big big buzzword going around is that there's a data embargo going on with uh, metadata lists and stuff and Wizards trying to stifle trying to stifle net decking and format getting solved because of this information getting written up and so well appraise is not the right word um i don't know well written on more knowledge and researched stuff. researched there we go that's 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 the word so i'm here for <laughs> so that's kind of the big thing going on that's a buzz on twitter is people are saying that Wizards is trying to definitely hold back on giving out data to where really only the people who are entrenched into the Magic Pro world are going to be the ones who know the deck list, know the meta, and will then tackle it where Joe Blows like ourselves are going to have a harder time receiving this information. But we're in the world of the internet. 
everybody's going to be able to share that stuff. Wizards is going to have a hard time stopping a lot of the sharing of information and stuff. Uh, maybe a little more legwork from the community, but I'm unsure how this is going to be going. Definitely interested to see how the rest of this week is going to go with this information and I guess see how or if Wizards will uh, comment on it. And we close off our news portion there with that. And we move over to Deck of the Week. So last week, this was what was supposed to get talked about. But unfortunately, how schedules worked, wasn't able to do that. And I didn't want to talk about this deck without the janky boggle himself here. We have a boggles deck. Yay! And not just a boggles deck. We have JB's janky boggle deck. It's oh, his yeah. actual deck oh, that, yeah. he's, that he's running and oh, putting up uh, results with at yep. our local meta. This one uh, locked me into top eight at our uh, LGS league, so figured might as well talk about it and throw some ideas out there for some people that are wanting to put together a fun yet competitive cheap deck. Which is kind of good to think about because Boggles is making a resurgence in Pioneer and in Standard right now. Green, white with Paradise, Druid, and suiting up and all that stuff. So Boggles is now a viable uh, Standard Pioneer actual deck. And it's putting up results, so it's super interesting and stuff. And they just got a bunch of new tools, so take us away, JB. All right, so here we go. We got the modern boggles here. So starting off, got a budget land base. It's not right where I want it to be, but we got three basic forests, only one horizon canopy, got three basic planes, and then we got three of the fast lands, the Razor Verge thickets, uh, two of the check lands, the sun petal groves, and then we got four shocks running our temple gardens. And I've got three of the windswept heath fetch lands. So I'm running one less than what normal normal boggles lists do. I'm running 19 lands versus 20. Um, seems to help. I don't get flooded that bad anymore. Um, so then we'll move on over to our instance. I got two once upon a times, which helps me shave those lands down a little bit. Gets that little extra land slash creature draw. Helps smooth out my mulligans a little bit there. And then I run two paths main board. And I got two sideboards. Some people run four main board. You can do whatever you want with that. However, your your meta is based. Um, so then we'll move on over to our creatures. Got the typical twelve boggle creature package. Got your four glade covers, your four core spirit dancers, and your four slippery boggles, of course. And then here's something interesting that I run. Uh, that new Calyx that came out in Theros. I have uh, been experimenting with one of them in in main board i've been thinking about putting a second one in just for 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 fun to see how it works when it comes down late game it kind of helps dig for something you don't have plus who doesn't like an oblivion ring i mean come on it's repeatable it's good you can help clear out a pretty wide board state um plus if you've already gone through a board wipe if you can get them up to ultimate you can bring back all your stuff that got wiped out come in swing for lethal i think it's a solid piece to run in there calyx seems to have some good late game value if if you're unable to close close it out quick like boggles is supposed to do so exactly i mean there's times where i mean yeah this is a quick deck but you'll run into that grindy situation and you'll go in late game definitely and then we're get into our enchantment package here so I run two Cartouche of Solidarities, which everybody loves getting that extra token for sacrifice effects and everything. You got block fodder, sacrifice fodder. Um, and then I got the standard four Daybreak Coronet, Keyword Soup. Everybody loves that one. Uh, your standard four Ethereal Armor Pumps. Two Crypt Griff's Boon, because everybody loves good flying evasion. And that one you can also recurve from the graveyard, which is also good. Many, many times I've had to recur it. Uh, you got your three hyena umbras. You got to stack up that totem armor. Get your first strike going. Make your boggle resilient to uh, board wipes. Yep. It really helps to survive. Um, and then I only run one ley line of sanctity main board. I've got three other ones in sideboard. And then we got uh, three rancors. Being able to trample over everybody is always good. And that one gets you... Um, 
more recursion too because it'll pop back to your hand if you get hit with a board wipe or anything or if somebody sneakily blocks you. Um, and then I decided to experiment with some Sentinel's Eyes, which I'm actually really loving this card. It gives Vigilance. Um, it's a lot cheaper than relying on the Vigilance from the Daybreak. A lot easier to do. And you can escape it from the graveyard. Mm-hmm. And I've escaped that one quite a few times against Matt, and it's been clinch. It's pretty solid. Cheap way to give, uh, cheap way to pump up the creature and give it vigilance makes it uh, makes it pretty dangerous in combat because all of the all of your enchantments are one drops. So even having two mana instead of casting Daybreak Coronet, which is a powerhouse of a card, but now you have Sentinel's Eyes, and then you can cast Sentinel's Eyes, Rancor, Sentinel's Eyes, Griff Spoon, get two more enchantments, or even Sentinel's Eyes and Ethereal Armor, and it gives you plus two first strike and vigilance. You're missing the lifelink, but it's pretty much like your extra copy of extra copies of uh, Daybreak Cornet at that point. Exactly. The one, one man is super relevant, I'd say. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then to round it out, I run two Spirit Mantles because, I mean, giving protection from creatures is pretty good. Being able to swing in for lethal. So then we move to the real interesting part. Now this sideboard is very meta specific. I mean you can do whatever you want with it. Um, it does pretty good against amulet, burn, um, twiddle storm even. Um, I've got two damping spheres in there. Which helps against the titan matchup or storm matchups. Uh, two j- disenchants. Um, everybody needs that artifact and enchantment removal. Which is good. And then I got my three other Leyline of Sanctities, my two paths, uh, two Pithing Needles, because it's always a good, good solid sideboard card there. Uh, then I got two Spider Umbras in sideboard, just in case I run into a lot of flyers and I'm not drawing my Griff Spoon for evasion. Plus, it also stacks more totem armor. And then my other personal favorite, uh, Weather the Storm. Really, really, really good against Twiddlestorm. Nothing like getting ready and uh, they're going to grape shot. And, oh, yeah, in response, I'm going to weather the storm here. And then you swing in for lethal next turn. Yeah, gaining way more life than a grape shot can deal to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, and that about wraps up that. Um, you know, it's a pretty fun deck, pretty fast. Yeah. How much does that deck run? Uh, this deck right now in its current list is about 294 surprisingly not too bad nope not too bad like i said the most expensive parts the land package it's about 156 bucks in the land right now definitely so you shave all that down your creature uh, all the creatures are just around 15 bucks you can find that pretty cheap and then the all the enchantments are 35 roughly as well so you Clean up on the clean up on the land base. You can cut easily cut off like a hundred dollars on this deck. Oh yeah, easily. And it does run with you know more basic lands in it. I have run it with a very 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 budget basic land list, and it still functions. I mean, it's one of those things where it can still run. But on the plus side, windswept teeth is one of the cheaper fetch lands as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> It helps when they're only eleven bucks right now. Oh yeah, yeah. This deck is a solid, dangerous deck for sure. Do not underestimate the slippery boy. So that'll close off our deck of the week. Do we have anything else to talk about here? You guys want anything to say? Got a few shoutouts this week. Um, first of all, I'd like to shout out for a good friend of ours, uh, Trent. Who goes by the Bacon Man two one eight on Twitch? Follow him for some great Apex gameplay. Um, and then we also want to hit out our shout out for their uh, Chimera Hobbies and Games out of Thiefer Falls. It's a little nice little uh, card shop that I usually go to about once every two weeks or once a month at least to pick up some random cards or some packs. Um, like I said, it's just a great little hobby shop, cards, D&D, some Warhammer, anything you need, they'll have it, or they'll be able to help you out and find out where you need to go. From there, you can follow us on Twitter, 
or on Facebook at This Week in MTG with uh, Twitter. Actually, it's this underscore week at MTG. Uh, this Week at MTG handle was taken by a mortgage brokerage thing. Someone not that someone that is not us. Correct. Look for our logo on Twitter. This week at MTG. Look for us on Facebook. This week at MTG, or hit us up on our email at thisweekatmtg at gmail dot com with any questions, comments, concerns. Please give us some feedback. We want to know what we're doing wrong, what we're doing right, what you like, what you don't like. We are here to be your aggregate news source, and we want to keep improving for you guys. Also, to add on to that. If you'd like, send us a request either by Facebook, Twitter, or Gmail, and we could add you to our Discord channel where you can actually talk to us by text whenever. And at some point in the future, maybe we'll do some fun Discord stuff. We're still finding our podcasting legs and stuff here, but bear with us. Live Getting our sea, sea legs. Mm-hmm. So if y'all don't have anything else to say, I think we hit that outro. Bye. Thanks, guys, again for listening to this podcast. Please go to thisweekinmtg.com for more information. You can also subscribe on your favorite platform like Spotify, Apple, or Google, or even any of the other platforms that are out there. We're literally everywhere. On Tuesday, every Tuesday, we're going to have new information. Wait, what's going on? It's Matt again. Did he just crack an Oko? Probably. Does he know that it's banned in every format, basically? Probably not. We're not going to tell him. I think we should keep it this way. Let's do it. Did you guys see this Oko? Oh, God.